Amen. Well, good morning, Reach Church. Good morning to our friends online this morning. I had you. I hope you had a. And I pray that you had a blessed week this week. Another hot week in Colorado Springs, man. I'll tell you what. This weather is crazy. I've lived here since 1981. I've never seen it be this hot for this extended of time. Amen. I'm not going to say this out loud because no one will believe me, but I'm almost ready for fall. No, I didn't say that. Because summer's not over, right, Brent? Summer's not over. Well, again, good morning. This is our last week of Renew, uh, and this week we're going to talk about recreate slash recreate. It's really the same word, just has a little dash in there. I got my English lesson this week. Miss Brittany told me it's where you put the emphasis. And I'm like, I put the emphasis on being outside, enjoying God's creation and recreating. Amen. Just want to recap real quick. I want to remind you that the first week we did rest, that Pastor Zach talked about Christ saying, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. Any of you out there this morning, weary and burdened, says, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. You think, oh my gosh, I can't take up another thing. I'm juggling so many things in my life. But he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen. And he said that it takes a conscious effort to rest in Christ. And I can agree, I mean, wholeheartedly with that statement. We are really good at trying to figure it out ourselves. Amen. Don't worry, God, I got this handled. I'll let you know if I need any of your help. It takes a conscious effort to rest in Christ. And last week, we talked about relaxing. Relaxing in the fact that God is in control. Relaxing in God's grace. And relaxing that, hey, life is not easy. And that's okay, because God's got us. Amen? Hebrews said, let us, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And just so you know, every moment in our life is a time of need for Christ. So this morning we're going to talk about recreate. So recreate just means to amuse oneself with activity. Anybody like that? To amuse oneself with activity? I love activities outdoors. I was, Kelly was getting ready this morning. I was cooking breakfast and, and just kind of cleaning up the house a little bit for uh, for some friends coming over this afternoon for a barbecue. And I went to the garage and just looked around at all the things that I've bought to recreate. And I know you have as well. I saw my golf clubs. I held my number seven. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Tin Cup, but he says, oh, but my seven. I never miss with my seven. And there was my helmets for my mountain bikes, right? Kelly and I, for Christmas, we were given a little, uh, I want to say toboggan, but that's snow. It's not a toboggan. You blow it up and you can kind of raft in and stuff. We haven't even tried it yet. Luckily, summer's not over, so we're going to get to do that. We've got that. You know, we've got our cornhole thing so we can play outside. Uh, I mean, we spend money to recreate. In fact, I was checking on Kelly's phone because I forgot to do that this morning because I got busy. It's estimated that Americans spend $887 billion on outdoor recreation. Now, I don't know what all that comes to, but that's a lot of do-re-mi, amen? 
So Americans like to do things outside. We like to recreate. The problem is, is that we need to be recreated, meaning to create again when we're out in God's creation. I love being outdoors. I love mountain biking. And there's times when I'm mountain, mountain biking way up on Gold Camp Road, five or six miles into my eight or 10, 12-mile ride, and hikers don't go there. I mean, it's just too far off of the beaten path. And I just like to sit on my bike and just, just listen. What is God saying to me while I'm out here recreating? And we forget that. We forget that it's God's creation and that we shouldn't worship his creation. I've got lots of friends. They like to do a lot of the things that I, I like to do. And they, they always say, oh, I love to get out there and just spend time with God. I'm like, oh, what'd you pray about? What songs did you sing when you were worshiping here? Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know that you're no different than it said in Romans, and I'm going to read that here in a moment. They were worshiping the creation more than the creator. Amen. And we've got to be careful with that because I assure you, when you go out to recreate, God wants to recreate you. I mean, he, he put it all together for us. He wants us to enjoy it, but he wants us to remember it's all about him, amen? I mean, there's times when I'm out there and I'm just quiet. It's like I can hear the stones sing out his name, amen? Didn't Jesus say that? If, if these stay silent, I mean, I can silence these people that are praising me coming into Jerusalem, but I assure you the stones the stones will cry out. Amen? So the first thing we've got to remember and not forget is that we've got to keep God first when we recreate. That's reach up. We've got to remember to reach up when we're enjoying ourselves outside. And I want you to go enjoy yourself outside. Why? Because winter's coming and we won't get to go outside. Amen? So enjoy yourself outside. Go recreate. Go spend time outside. Enjoy what God created. But don't forget that it's about God. Amen. You see, the Romans forgot that. In Romans 1.25, it says, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Remember in Acts when Paul goes to Athens and he says, man, I noticed you guys are really superstitious. You guys have a God for everything. In fact, you even have an unknown God. Paul was really smart. He said, I'm going to proclaim to you who that unknown God is. Here's who he is. And he preaches the gospel to him. You see, the Romans forgot that it's God that created it all. How can something that's created be worshipped? It should be the creator that's worshiped, amen? Not animals and rocks and, you know, Kelly and I got to go to, uh, we love to go to national parks, and this one national park, uh, everybody had little stones hanging in their windows, right? Little crystals. I mean, they're cool. I mean, whatever, right? But it's a rock. And it's God who created that rock. And that's who deserves to be worshiped when we're recreating, amen? Not the creatures, not the rocks that he made, not the beauty that's out there, but the beauty that's through him. Amen. It says, wherever you go, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you're doing, whether you're at your home, whether you're enjoying the beauty of, the, of nature, whether you're eating dinner, even when you're taking a nap, in everything that you do, give glory to God. Remember that he is holy, 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 and he deserves our worship and our praise. Amen? Be sure that you're doing that. Today in secular society, everything but God is worshiped. Amen? They have, they have no different than in Athens. They've got a God for everything. Just look around. And God has called us to worship him, not his creation. God wants us to recreate so that he can recreate us. Here's what John Piper wrote in a paper and he is a Christian, Christian author. Here's what he wrote about recreation, which I thought was interesting. It says, he argues, we glorify God through our recreation by making him an explicit part of it. We make God an explicit part of our recreation. Here's what he observes. Therefore, as we pursue our recreation, let us pursue it to the glory of God, since God's wills recreation. He also wills to be in on it. It is crazy to think that God would create in us certain desires, ordain the innocent means of satisfying them, and then spoil the whole thing if we pause to ask his blessing on it. On the contrary, he will not spoil your fun. He will enlarge it and purify it. So we don't go home feeling crummy about how we acted. He will transform the game or your recreation into a little slice of joyful life and turn the field, I like this guy, into a diamond of grace. He said, go enjoy God's nature. Go enjoy all those things. Whatever you do, some people are golf, some people are softball, some people are hiking, some people are fishing, whatever it is, boating, mountain biking, whatever it is, go enjoy it. But make sure that you allow God to be part of it. Reach up while you're doing that. Here's what one wit observed. The average American works, uh, worships his work, works at his play, and plays at his worship. Our recreation is not to be job-like, and it's certainly not to be worship-like. Our recreation be, should, be, should not displace our families or our work, and certainly not our worship. We can, however, pursue our recreation with joy, understanding that God has given it to us for our health and well-being. And whether it's fishing, exercising, or some other sport or craft, how we engage in it reflects on our Christian life. How we enjoy God's creation when we're recreating, that really reflects where we are in our Christian walk, where we can see God working in our life no matter what we're doing, in the good and the fun and in the not fun, because Monday morning is going to happen tomorrow, right? We should be enjoying and allowing it to reflect in our Christian life. Here's what the Amplified Bible says about Proverbs 3.6. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. When we're out in our recreation, thank the God 
that it's all about God. Amen? That's our first point. Don't forget your first love. Don't forget your first love while you're out enjoying his creation. All right, number two. Spend time with people who recreate you. That's reaching in with a love for one another. Hang out with those people that recreate you. Now, in ministry and in your ministry and in your friendships, there are those people that pull on you. They pull that anointing out of you. That prayer life, the things that you're, you're studying, they, they pull that out of you, right? You need to get around people when you're after you're doing that who recreate you, who can speak into your life. So don't forget that. Sometimes we give, we give, and we give, and we forget that ministry can be tough. And you know that you're all called to minister, and I'm going to speak on that in a moment. You're all called to minister. It's not just the pastor's job to do that. You are called to minister, to minister to others. And when you do that, you need others to recreate you. Make sure you spend time with others who are pouring into your life, not just pulling out of it. Now, when we minister, that will happen. But you've got to have those friendships, those relationships that pour into you. Remember, it's God, then family, then ministry. And remember last week when I said, sometimes God's talking to me and not talking to you in these situations. This is one of those where I've got to remember that. God first. Because if we don't put God first, we'll never be able to take care of our family and our ministry. Amen. And you have a ministry. Here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Find those people that need to hear a great message about God. Something spoken into your life, into their life. Pour into them with the anointing and the ministry that you have so that they can go and do that to others. Hebrews, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Anybody see the day drawing near? I mean, if it was near 2,200 years ago or so, it's probably even nearer today. So spend time with those people that recreate you, that pour into you. There are certain people I love to hang out with. I love to hang out with certain people because they, they pour joy, peace, and love back into me. Because sometimes in ministry, we're always giving that out. And what happens is, Listen, coming to church is great. I love coming to church. I love worshiping with you guys. I love hearing God's word. I love the relationships that we build here. The discussions I get, we get to have, whether it's sports or cars or motorcycles or, hey, we even talk about God occasionally, right? I love those relationships because they pour back into me. And some people like, like it says here in Hebrews, like, you know, I don't have to go to church. I can do church at home. Eh, kind of, sort of. Not really. Because when we come together is when we build each other up. We encourage one another. It's hard to encourage one another if you don't hang out. Does that make sense? 
I love my prayer closet. I mean, I love spending time in prayer down in my basement, just me and God, that's it. But I need you guys. That's what church is all about. Building each other up, encouraging each other, recreating each other. Number three, help uh, help recreate others. That's reaching out to the world. So we've reached up to God in our recreation. We've reached into each other by encouraging one another, by meeting, spending time to each other, uh, together, building each other up. And then we have to recreate, a, recreate others by reaching out to a world in need of Christ. Reach up, reach in, reach out. I just want to talk about reaching out for, for a moment. We need to do a, a better job for God's kingdom reaching out. Amen? We have to reach out to others. Here's what Ephesians says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Say, I'm a saint. You're a saint. Your job is the work of the ministry to reach out to a world in need of Christ. For building up the body of Christ until we all obtain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and ladyhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love. That's part of your ministry. Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. That's into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly. Each part. Each of you is a part of the body of Christ. And we need each of you to be working properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, as a pastoral staff, our job is to, is to train you up to do ministry. Because we can't do it by ourselves. As I've said before, you know people that I don't. I know people that you don't. There's people that you can minister to that I'll never know. There's people that I can minister to that you'll never know. That's what builds the body up. So what happens? We help you learn about ministry. Go do this. Isn't that what Jesus said? I'm going to teach you. Now go. And then you're going to make disciples, which you know what happens next? Then the church grows. It's this beautiful life cycle. You become a disciple, you make a disciple, they make a disciple. Imagine if the original disciples didn't make any disciples. But it said what happened? They turned the world upside down. And then the world that they turned upside down, they made disciples. And then they made disciples. And then they and sooner or later it got to us, to our generation. That's what builds the church. So is a pastor's job to build a church? Yes. By building disciples. 
Does that make sense? So reach out. I want to tell you about something that I read this week. I've read it many, many times, but it really clicked this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Probably the best four verses. Okay, they're all really good. But these four verses together, I mean, you just read them and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'll tell you what, man. You just I just got chill. You want to sit and soak in a verse? You wonder where you're at in Christ? Spend some time in that one. That's a sermon in itself. I don't know where you are at, but you're a new creation. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus. That in itself is amazing, church. That in itself is marvelous. That in itself is wondrous. That God would remake us. Now, all things are of God. All things. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Kind of an interesting term. Ministry of reconciliation. Let's read more. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you know you have a ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. Here's what it is. God says, I'm not mad, and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross. I'm going to reconcile myself back to you, even though I should, in all fairness, impute your sins against you. But he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you. I'm going to reconcile this relationship. Amen. I'm going to reconcile you to me. And then you know what you're going to go do? You're going to go to tell others about it. You're going to take that word of reconciliation and you're going to spread it throughout the world. You know what you're going to do? You're going to tell people, I'm not mad at them. I love them. I want to recreate them in Christ Jesus through the cross. That's your ministry. Our ministry isn't take the Bible and ham hammer people over the head with it. And that has happened to me, and unfortunately I've done that to others. My job is to say, listen, God's not mad. He wants to recreate you in Christ Jesus so that you can enjoy Him. Spend time in Him. I want to tell you, church, that's the easiest ministry that anyone could ever be asked to do. It's just to tell people, listen, I don't know what you're going through. God's not mad and he wants to help. The world needs help. Watch the news. The world needs help. And he's given you a special, a special ministry. That's reaching out to a world in need of the love of Christ. 
Let me just finish this four verses. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a whole nother sermon. You're an ambassador for Christ. Act like it. You know when I watch movies and I see ambassadors? Man, they're dressed nice. They drive some nice rides. They eat good dinners. And they proclaim about their kingdom. Guess what? We get to do the same thing. But we proclaim about his kingdom. Amen? You have special rights and privileges in Christ Jesus because you are an ambassador for a heavenly kingdom. Live like it, church. Live like it. Don't let the world drag you down. Live like you're an ambassador for Christ Jesus. It says, as though God were pleading through us. God, pleading through us. Listen, he's not mad. Come check him out. You'll love it. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. He wants to recreate you through Christ Jesus. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I can just imagine Paul writing this. Listen, these guys got to come to Jesus. They got to know what God's all about. He's not mad. I mean, is there anybody that knew the Old Testament better than Paul? God was really mad in the Old Testament. He was not a happy camper, right? God's not, God sent his son. God sent the Messiah for his people. You have to be reconciled to God. And here's verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how much he loves you, church. That's how much he loves the world. He made someone that did no sin at all, Christ Jesus, our Savior. He made someone who knew no sin to become sin for us. You know what that tells me? God's not mad. God will do anything to restore and recreate you. Number four, God wants to recreate us. God wants to recreate us. He wants to change us. You know, when I read the Old Testament and the New Testament, each and every story, when you look at what's really going on, it's God taking a hurting person, someone that's messed up. Anybody in here been messed up? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. God taking someone that's hurting, hurting inside, usually through their own messed up life, and recreates them into something amazing. He changes their lives forever. Here's what it says in Psalms. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. On the inside and on the outside. He heals us physically, emotionally, spiritually. 
He just knows right where to put the Band-Aid. My, my uh, grandson, whenever he gets hurt, the first thing he says is, I need a Band-Aid. I'm like, I can't even find it. Where would I put the Band-Aid? God knows exactly where to put the Band-Aid. He knows exactly what you're going through, but you've got to step out in faith and allow him to do that. I mean, you can be, keep him at arm's length. Many do. Look around us. But when you step out in faith toward him, he's like, man, I'm going to help you with this because you can't help yourself. And when you try to, it gets even worse. Amen? When you try to fix it yourself, it gets worse. Anybody ever try to fix something themselves? Don't worry, God, I got this. I got it all handled. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, that's when the fire department gets involved. Amen? James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God is a great recreator. Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament are amazing stories of lives that he has changed. As our creator, he can recreate us in his image. Have you ever felt broken, ever found yourself in a place where you feel like a pile of shattered pieces, unable to pick yourself up and put yourself back together? One writer wrote, have you ever felt like a lost cause, ashamed to let others know what's going on in you? I mean, we all come to church and we're smiling, but I want to tell you, there's times there's something going on inside of you that you're hiding from God. (laughs) Doesn't that sound funny? You're hiding it from God. It's impossible. He knows right where you're at. He knows right where you need, what you need. As Christ followers, it's easy to feel like we need to give the impression that everything is great in life, even when we find ourselves in a season of feeling broken. And I've been there. I've been in seasons of feeling broken. We go about our lives putting a smile on and covering up the issues or trials that were actually breaking us apart inside. Maybe we're afraid of what others will think if they actually knew what's going on in our lives. God's not. He's not afraid of what's going on in your life. He knows right where you're at, and he knows what path to put you on. We may feel like God wants nothing to do with our broken pieces, but that is false. The truth is God isn't afraid of your brokenness. God doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves in these moments. We want to see a pile of worthless ruins, but God sees those ruins can become something amazing again. Something amazing. He wants to take the ruins in your life and rebuild them and restore them. Why? Because he's the potter and we're the clay. And he's the best at it. God is, I just want to read this quote that I found. God is our great architect, our creator, the one who knits us together in our mother's womb. He knows the scars, the wounds, every circumstance you've been through or ever will go through. What we see as broken, God sees as beautiful. He puts, he knows where each piece belongs. You ever, Kelly dropped something one time. She put me in charge of fixing it. Man, that thing was super glued and duct taped, and it did not look pretty. The pieces kind of fit together. Kind of. But God takes those broken pieces, 
And when he puts them together, it's amazing. And it looks so great. Here's what they end with. When we put our trust and hope in Christ, piece by piece, he puts us back together into something more beautiful than we were before. He is the God who recreates. Here's what Isaiah says about God. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are all the work of your hand. God is a potter and we're the clay. He wants to mold us and make us into something amazing. I encourage you, when you read the Old and New Testament and you read some of the stories of faith, you look and see how God took situations and recreated them. Made them bold and new to walk in Him. We can't stand at arm's length anymore. You can't know that you can fix it because you can't. Oh, you can spin your wheels, you can try, but you can never recreate what God can recreate. Here's what God will do. He will move the heavens and the earth to recreate you in Christ. Let me just give you some examples. In the Old Testament and New Testament, he changed people's names. He took what their names were, Abram, Jacob, Saul. I mean, those names just sound bad to me, right? He changed their name to give them a new identity. He recreated them, and all their, all their names mean something amazing. That's what he does. He takes that, those broken shards of clay. Sometimes he'll call them something different. Sometimes, sometimes he'll speak something new into you. No matter whether you're young or old, maybe God needs to speak something new into your life. Change your name. Change your name. Now, he's not going to take your birth certificate and change your name, but he's going to call you something different. He's going to call you something different so that something inside of you is changed. Amen? So that something inside of you is changed. What else did he do throughout the Old and the New Testament? Pastor Derek talked about this a couple weeks ago. He healed lepers. I mean, can you imagine how I mean, that's got to be, that's terrible. I had eczema for about six months. I mean, that's terrible in itself. I can imagine leprosy. And yet he recreated them. He moved heaven and earth. He broke the laws of nature. And he can because he created nature. And he said, you're healed. He changed them on the outside. And yet he was changing them on the inside as well. That's what he does. You got something going on on the outside of you? Then the Bible says, don't clean the outside of the cup. Clean the inside of the cup as well. Jesus accused the Pharisees of being what? Whitewashed sepulchers. Dead on the out inside. The outside looks so nice. I mean, there's people that wash their car. They look so nice. And they haven't changed the oil in decades. Right? 
But the outside looks great. I mean, that paint looks so nice. The wheels, they got the nice stuff on them. They look nice. Then you open up the hood and you're like, what happened in here? We do that in our own life, just so you know that. We'll make sure we look so nice on the outside. Everything looks so prim and proper. We combed our hair. We shaved. We put on a different color than blue just to throw you all off. Right? But on the inside, what's going on on the That's what God cares about. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That tells me it's the inside that God is caring about. Oh, he'll care about the outside. But it's the inside that he cares most about. What else did he do to restore? He raised the dead to save families. Remember the widow whose child was dead? I don't know how old he was. The prophet comes in, lays on him, brings him back to life. Maybe that was going to be the the breadwinner of the family. There's something about losing your future, losing the children. God restored that family and recreated it. I just want to read this in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a a long section of verse, but I want to read this because I want to tell you what God will do when you step out in faith and allow him to recreate you. Here's what he'll do. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the faith chapter. These people stepped out in faith. Here's what it says. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions. Yeah, Daniel. Quench the the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tortured, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God was working all those things out in their favor. They had faith to move mountains. God was recreating their situations. And yet they didn't receive the full promise that we get. How amazing. I mean, I, I'm ashamed that those people walk in so much more faith than I ever can. And yet they did not receive the promise. Is there, I mean, after reading that part of Hebrews 11, is there any group of people that deserve to receive the promise more than anyone? And yet, do you know, in the long run, they did. Because it says that when Christ was resurrected, he went and preached to them who were in prison, who had died, so that they understood 
The Messiah has come. So they did receive the promise. But here's what it says about us. God having provided something better for us. He wants to recreate us, something better for us that we should not that we should not be perfect apart from us. He wants to recreate the church. But he wants to recreate you in Christ Jesus, not in your own. Go enjoy his creation. Go recreate. Go remember it's all about him. In their trials and tribulations, they reached out to God. They said, God, help me because I cannot help myself. Amen? Why don't we stand? I want to pray over us this morning. Kevin is going to come up and do our next steps for us. With your eyes closed, maybe you need recreated this morning. Maybe there's something going on in your life and you're like, I can't do it. I'm broken. There's pieces scattered throughout my life. And I need recreated today as only God can. Will you just slip your hand up and say, God, see me. See, I'm just going to step out just a little bit in faith here, God. Meet me where I'm at. I can't jump. I can't leap. But I'll just take that little step. Will you just meet me where I'm at? Heavenly Father, this morning, Thank you for your greatest desire. It says that you want to live within us. You want to dwell in us. That the hope of glory is Christ in you. Father God, will you just meet us where we're at and recreate us? Touch us, mold us, make us who you desire us to be. As we lifted our hands this morning, as we pour out ourselves, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable in you. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross. That you started this ministry of reconciliation by reconciling us back to you through your dear Son, Christ Jesus. Father God, thank you for loving on us as only a heavenly Father can do. Thank you for caring for us as only you can. Thank you for knowing right where that band-aid needs to go. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Thank you for covering us with your grace and with your mercy. In Jesus' precious and holy name, everyone said, Amen.